Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. It's 8.30, and joining me is journalist Kyle Spencer. Um, many of our listeners may be familiar with her byline. Her work has appeared in a lot of national um, publications, in New York Times, Washington Post, Politico. She's the author of Raising Them Right, the untold story of America's ultra-conservative youth movement and its plot for power. And she's also the executive editor of Reporting Right, a weekly online guide for journalists where she assesses some of the pitfalls of reporting on the radical right ahead of the 2024 election. And she says left-leaning publications oftentimes don't understand what's happening on the ground in Trump country. The mainstream media's response is to run pieces that try to explain who Trump voters are and to understand them. And they end up personalizing and humanizing the story and repeating Lie, she says the story is not about Bobby, the nice mechanic who thinks the election was stolen. The story needs to be a process story about how Bobby came to believe the lie. Thank you, Kyle Spencer. It's really great to have you on for Madison area listeners this morning. And you know, when I see that regularly on mainstream media, it drives me crazy. Those kinds of <laughs> stories. It, it does because, in fact, all they are doing is imprinting the lie in people's minds continuously. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, it does seem like there's a bit of a, a, a lag, and I'm seeing this increasingly with the media and what's actually happening and people's understanding of what's happening. So letting us know that there are Trump people out there and they believe these lies, that's not news for a lot of us. And so it seems almost unnecessary to keep repeating that. But um, for some reason, the, the mainstream media seems to be kind of behind the rest of us and sort of telling us things we already know. You know, I, I well, I've got you. I, I, I want to talk about about your book and and what you've learned through the research for that book. But I, I wanted to, well, I've got you to just get your um, comments on on you know what's going on in the news now. What have you mm-hmm. been thinking about? And what kinds of questions are you acting about the voters mm-hmm. in the? Republican primaries, and also, is there anything that we need to be paying attention to with the Taylor Taylor Swift conspiracy? Um, Well, first of all, I want to say that I am paying a lot of attention to the polls, which I think are by and large completely inaccurate. I think that the mainstream media depends so much on the polls that it is loath to tell people that they are not effective or helpful. And when these polls are reported on, a lot of times what they really are are misinformation. So we were told in 2016 that Donald Trump had no shot of winning. Of course, he beat Hillary Clinton and took the White House. We're being told now by a lot of these polls that Trump is very likely to win. This is not what I'm hearing on the ground, not what grassroots activists are saying, and not what really it looks like when you explore in depth and on a micro level uh, what a macro micro level what these um, uh, what, what folks are saying. So I would I would first say that we can't look at the polls. Don't ride the polar coaster. The, the <laughs> polls are generally not accurate. Um, that's number one. And then I would say that I'm seeing a 
enormous um, anti-Trump movement rising up and um, um, all over the country. And I'm feeling, I have to say right now, knock on wood, I'm feeling positively about Americans all over the country getting, getting to work to preserve our democracy. Now, when you see, and I, I want to come back to them, when you see yeah. the coverage of the primary voters and what they're asking them, um, and they're talking about the exit polls as well, all just mm-hmm. all just polar coaster. I mean, anything important in there? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about um, about first of all, primary voters are incredibly engaged voters, and. So that's a very small population of people that are actually going to come to the polls in 24. Whenever the pollsters are asking people questions related to how they feel about various issues, there are two things that are not really taken into consideration. One of them is that these folks who really have any answers to these questions are hyper-engaged. They're almost like political hobbyists. And so they're not representative of the vast majority of Americans who are going to go and vote uh, in November. The other thing is that people, and there's an enormous number of studies that have indicated this, people have a very hard time determining how they're going to feel in the future. I mean, there are a lot of sociologists who have studied that people do things, so they buy things, they, they plan things, thinking they're going to know what's going to make them happy in the future or how they're going to feel in the future, and that's, that's not actually what people actually don't know that. So I would say that any sort of projections of how today people are going to feel when they go to the polls in, uh, in, in, in November is also misleading because people really don't, don't know. And, and finally, on that point, one of the things that we've seen is these, is these polls are indicating that if Trump is convicted, uh, more and more people will not go to the polls to vote for him, which is kind of leaves everything up in the air because it's not clear what and when he'll be convicted of, of anything. And then the other thing is, if people are feeling that way, what does that mean about whether he's not convicted? I mean, it's just a sort of a funny, it, 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 it raises so many questions. It's almost not even an effective, um, it's not even important to know because it raises so many questions that are unclear. Now, why I was asking you about the Taylor Swift conspiracy mm-hmm. stories is because you write that Trump and these young conservative um, sort of leaders have a gift for harnessing cultural signifiers and celebrity dumb, not issues but emotions. Have you had a chance to think? What are you asking about about the the popularity and why they're turning on her? Right wing is turning. Yeah, on. I mean, it's so it's so. First of all, poor. I mean, I, I feel for Taylor Swift because um, she's a, she's an iconic figure for a lot of young women, and she doesn't. You know, the fact that the right wing is now going to attack her is uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, this is what they do. They're aggressive. The radical right is aggressive, and they attack. They're attack dogs. She's very, very threatening. She's a young woman. She's powerful. She's incredibly smart. She's savvy. She um, has a lot of pull on young people. And the radical right is, is a really misogynistic movement that is incredibly threatened and enraged and um, resentful towards women who have any power. So she becomes a symbol of something that they really detest. And that, I think, is sort of the number one reason that they are attacking her. Um, and then, of course, she has a whole following, so then she becomes somebody that if they attack her, there's kind of she's a proxy for women who might want to, um, you know, consider taking their power in in, in the world and, and economic power and political power. 
Um, so she's super threatening to them, but she's also, I, you know, they're animalistic in a lot of the ways they behave, and they really sort of genuinely hate her because they're genuinely, um, uh, you know, they genuinely don't want women holding power. Um, the radical right is a patriarchal system. It's it, the radical right is Christian nationalism. The radical right; these are people that believe strongly and want to maintain a kind of patriarchal system. And so Taylor Swift is, as a powerful woman, is someone they're going to want to take down. Now you're um, detecting on the ground a what you 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 describe as a you know knock on wood uh, anti-Trump yeah, yeah. Um, sentiment. So. Given what you did in your earlier research, um, right before the midterm, 2022 midterms, I, I, I think is when you did your research, um, now ahead of the 2024 uh, election, would you change anything in, 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 in is there like an epilogue at this uh, 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 part yeah. one? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say that um, the, the, what, what, I, what I said a little bit ago, um, this idea that I'm seeing this movement um of uh this movement on the on the left progressism with democrats understanding how important it is for them to harness their young people um what my book really talks about is the way that um the conservative movement ultra conservative movement has fostered funded trained co-opted young people for years and years and years and have used young people as engines and um soldiers for their cause and the relationship that progressive the left democrats have had with their young has been fraught there's often a lot of tension there's internecine warfare there's mistrust and distrust and what i'm seeing and i write about that and what i'm seeing now is and there's also a kind of blame blaming young people there's a a lot of blaming young people if they you know and and dis, and and, dis, and um disrespecting them to some extent you know their their vote doesn't count don't spend money to try to get them to the polls but then when they don't go to the polls, those darn young people, they're not going to the polls. You know, it's like they're sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't. But I think that's changing. I think that young people are voting in um, record numbers, as we know. They have the capacity to sway elections. Um, and they're somewhat, they're, they're in some ways, particularly college kids, are if, if paid attention to, can be mobilized in a lot more efficient ways than other types of voters. And so that's just like one of the big shifts I'm seeing is this understanding that young people are part of this larger democratic coalition and they need to be in on the game and in on mobilizing and, um, you know, and in on, on, um, on the collaboration and the coalition making. Now, so say more about, about this playbook, mm -hmm. this, this network um, that funds this conservative mm -hmm. youth mm -hmm. movement. You say its goal is to normalize the far right's divisive ideology with the help of char charismatic um, figureheads. Can you talk more about that? And do the people that these charismatic figureheads are speaking to know that it's funded by these huge networks? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, so 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 young people are, um, uh, as I, as I pointed out before, um, the, um, the the radical right spends uh, millions and millions of dollars every year on luring young people to their cause, and um, they 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 um, throw onto college campuses millions of dollars every year in order to recruit young people. They generally use these proxies. They use. Um, folks who become representatives of their belief system and they use these kind of young charismatic figures who can be very popular for young right-wingers or even, you know, 
uh, you know, conservative, curious kids. And um, the, one of the reasons why this is so powerful is because a lot of times young people on campuses and just young people in general have no idea that what uh, that the people who are funding this messaging are, you know, really like old white guys who are have some really, really um, toxic and um, unpleasant um, ideas about how the country ought to be run. So um, the the one thing I point out in my book, and I think is something that young people may not realize, and a lot of people in general don't realize, that social media is actually quite expensive. And a lot of the stuff that figures like Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens, a lot of the social media work that they do and that Turning Point USA does is, is quite expensive. And uh, right-wing donors pump millions of dollars into Turning Point USA, for example, so they can run these social media campaigns. So these are not like sort of grassroots, off-the-cuff uh, uh, um, uh, social media messages. These are messages that are tested frequently in very sophisticated ways and, um, are, um, and are cost quite a bit of money. And, you know, and, and uh, Kyle Spencer, for uh, listeners, I'm speaking with uh, journalist Kyle Spencer. Kyle, so, you know, you're, you're conservative, curious young people, you know, and, and you mm-hmm. know, uh, how do, so maybe just unveiling, disclosing all of this network. Also, you know, did I read, read this, that, that, that they're using, you know, organizing methods that um, almost counter educationally, like using Alinsky, for instance. Oh yeah, yeah. So a lot of the um, a lot of the uh, strategies that the radical right uses now are strategies that really came from progressive and union organizing. Um, Sal Linsky, who wrote this book Rules for Radicals, which has been a kind of bible for progressive activists. These these right wingers are, are using a lot of those a lot of those disruptive strategies to uh, to push their own ideas. I think that's the ingredients that might also appeal to the conservative curious that there's something that feels right about it, but the um the goal um not necessarily um i mean they're dazzling with them with the method but um and uh attracting them emotionally, but they might not know exactly what they're in for. Yeah, I definitely think that. And one of the things I found in working on my book, um, Raising Them Right, is that the young people who recruit are actually very specifically told to uh, mention and push forth ideas that are somewhat moderate seeming. And that once you, if you're a right wing youth organization, you might be pushing, quote unquote, libertarian ideas like the legalization of marijuana or prison reform, which is something that those are both issues that the left cares a lot about and allegedly um you know some of the right cares about although it's kind of questionable but um but so to push these sort of ideas that can lo- that can lure kids in like hey do you want marijuana legalized or hey do you think that um we ought to be um imprisoning less people and a moderate young person might say you know i really kind of like that idea let me, what, what else do you guys believe in let me come to i'd love to come to an event you're hosting or do you have any movies i ought to watch or what kinds of pamphlets do you have and slowly as these people become connected to these young youth groups that's when some of the more outrageous and really you know the ideas get get pushed onto them you're you're i, I understand you're a parent doesn't isn't that scary Oh my God, it's so scary. Young white boys are really receptive to this. Um, it, it, the world is changing very rapidly. Uh, it's it, it, it's 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 disruptive, and for a lot of young white boys, this kind of ascension of young women is 
um, off-putting. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's challenging, not for all of them, but for some of them, you know? And this kind of rhetoric can be very appealing to them. Now, are you still inclined to believe that the Democrats still have the youth vote? Um, what do they need to keep it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a great, that's a great question. I think a couple things. I mean, I think the Democrats, and I'm seeing this on all age groups, are going to really have to be rethinking their assumptions that they have the black vote, they have the Latino vote, um, Asian American vote. These, uh, a lot of those young voters are up for grabs now. So um, they, they have to really do a lot of good messaging in order to keep those voters and to get new ones. Um, the, the, the problem is that the messaging that the right uh, sends out is really sophisticated in, in creating disenchantment and um, discouraging people from either going to the polls to vote for Biden and other Democratic candidates or simply to vote against them. They are really coming after these young voters, the right wing. And so what the Democrats are going to need to do is to counter message and to really get clear on what they believe in and why they are the better party for um, young voters. Hey, I'm, um, you're listening to journalist Kyle Spencer. Uh, look for anything she's writing or thinking about. She's the author of Raising Them Right, the untold story of America's ultra-conservative youth movement and its plot for power. She's also executive editor of Reporting Right, a weekly online guide for journalists where she assesses some of the pitfalls of reporting on the radical right ahead of the 2024 election. So, hey, thank you, Kyle Spencer. It's just great to have you on this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Just one quick thing. If anybody wants to subscribe, it's reporting right at googlegroups.com. That's the way to get in touch ah, with us to, to subscribe. Thank you so much. This is really wonderful, and I appreciate you giving me the time to talk to your audience. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle Spencer.